Hi friends, and welcome to another episode of the Oakham Church Podcast. We've done it. We've made it to the end of our Ephesians series. Uh, This will be the last episode from season six. And so we're going to just read the final bit of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, along with his little final greeting that he tacks on to the end. And then just a few thoughts about that. So we're in Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse 10. Uh, Before we read that, I want to just thank you for the um, encouraging messages and the feedback that I've been getting through this podcast. It's been wonderful to receive the comments and the questions and suggestions about future series and future episodes. And I just want to thank you for that. You can just remind you as well that you can um, contact us about anything to do with the podcast um, on the email address, theocp at mail.com. That's theocp at mail.com and again thank you for your feedback and and just a a a little request as well if you are listening to this on apple podcasts or on spotify or another podcast kind of format like that please 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 um subscribe to the podcast first and foremost so you don't miss out on any future episodes but also um give us a rating give us a review because it really does help um, with the kind of weird metrics and that sort of stuff. And, and by you just doing that, by you simply hitting five stars or writing a couple of words as a review, will boost the amount of people that this podcast can reach and hopefully um, encourage and bless as well along the way. Um, enough of that, enough self-promotion. Uh, we'll get into the reading. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord... And in his mighty power, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith 
from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So that's it. That's the end of the letter. There's a couple of things that I just want to draw out and encourage us to think about throughout the week and um, kind of chew over a little bit and see what it means to us here and now. Obviously, Paul is writing this little letter to a specific area at a specific point in human history. Um, But the way that the Bible works, that there is this inspiration of spirit all throughout means that it can speak to us here and now today. Even though we don't live in first century Ephesus, that we can receive teaching, that we can receive truth, that we can grab hold of some of the things that Paul is writing here to a very specific set of people. Didn't have us in mind whatsoever when he was writing these words. And yet, and yet, we can gain so much from this. Um, Paul's focus on the majority of this section that we've been reading is, of course, The armour of God and many sermons and messages and devotionals and even podcasts, I'm sure, have come up about the armour of God and picking it apart and looking at each piece and what that means and what that meant then and what it means now and how we can do it. And I know that even people in our community as a as a practice, as a ritual, will wake up and almost pray on the armour each morning to get themselves ready. Uh, there's this putting on, there's putting off earlier in the letter so that then we can put on. And uh, so just, yeah, just to kind of look very briefly at the armour first. Put on the full armour of God, Paul says, so that when the day of evil, which is a reference back to last week where he said the days are evil. So this isn't so, this isn't so that when, like some future event, this is right now, do it now. So that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. See there, Paul uses that word stand three times within a sentence. It's like, this is like, pay attention to the fact that this is the the point of all of this. If you want to, you want to know why you need to put this armour on it, so that you can stand. Standing is a very kind of, um, affirmative uh, posture, isn't it? Standing is this, doesn't matter what's coming against me, I've got something within me and I've got something backing me up that means that I can stand no matter what. When you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, he says, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. This isn't like a belt that we have now. This isn't just about keeping your trousers up or something to... Uh, hang your phone from in the 80s uh, this is a, the belt is more like a like a girdle it's more like a complete kind of core support it was this complete structure that com- surrounded the entire middle section of your body and from there that's where the strength comes um, if you do any kind of physical activity any kind of exercise whether it might be hit training or yoga or martial arts or or, or anything really Everyone will tell you, any instructors that you speak to will tell you that the strength comes from the core. That's where you get all of that kind of grounding from and where everything else can then build from. If you don't have a strong core, 
you aren't going to have strung anything else. And so this is about supporting the central pick, making, making the main thing the main thing. And that's why the belt's mentioned first, that this core section, this central inner grounding takes place first. And from that belt, from that core, everything else then hangs from. So the breastplate would attach to that belted section. And this is about protecting the vital organs, isn't it? Breastplate protects your heart and your lungs and the central part of your body that's going to keep you alive. Notice it's very interesting that we don't have any kind of extra protection added on to that then. The next thing that's mentioned are the feet. It seems really weird, but if you look into the history of it, uh, a Roman soldier was very conscious of the fact that they needed to keep their feet safe. They needed to keep their feet clean. They needed to keep their feet healthy. Because how did you do your job? Well, you marched. You travelled from one place to another on foot. If you couldn't, for whatever reason, get to where you needed to get on foot, well, then you failed before you even started. And then once you did get there, if you had trouble with your feet... Again, you can't do what you're supposed to do. As a soldier, you need to fight. Or even here, as Paul says, stand your ground, stand firm. What do you need to be able to stand? You need healthy, strong, protected feet. And this also talks about the, the readiness that it says, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. These sandals are about going out. This is an action. This is a movement. This is a verb to take the good news about Jesus, that how Jesus has, has affected your life, how you've had an experience with Christ. And to take that out, you need to be able to use your feet. Then added on to all of this, then Paul says, take up the shield of faith that's going to add any extra protection that you're going to need and it's a, a a movable protection isn't it you carry a shield with you it's not like you've built up a barricade and you hide behind it a shield is a, a portable barricade and so you take it with you so we have the shield of faith and then the helmet of salvation that protects the head the final vital area that needs to be protected because the heart and the lungs are protected, the core's protected, the feet are protected, your surroundings are protected with the shield. And then finally you have the helmet to protect the brain, to protect your thoughts, to protect your thinking life, to protect you mentally um, from any kind of attacks that might be happening. Whether that's from outside or even inside, we're seeing more and more, aren't we, in recent history, the importance of mental health and that's where this helmet of salvation comes from and then finally the sword of the spirit and notice all of the rest of the armor is defensive and even to a certain extent so is a sword because a sword can be used to block and parry attacks from others but the sword is also offensive but it is the only offensive part of the armor the sword of the spirit which is the word of god this is, the, this is the, the Bible. This is knowing our scriptures. This is how we can fend off and attack the enemy in whatever guise that might take. Um, it reminds me of Jesus' own time of testing in the wilderness, which we'll um, unpack a bit more on Sunday. So I don't really want to say any more than that. But there's the armour. 
Now for the church in Ephesus, this visual idea of military power and political power and nationalistic power was very, very obvious in the Roman Empire. That's where they were. They were right in the middle of it. This was in their face. It was as Paul uses this example of this Roman centurion style armour, this wouldn't be a difficult thing for them to imagine. They saw these soldiers every day of their lives. For Paul himself, again, he knows all too well about the force and the might of this world that they're a part of, of this empire. See, Paul's writing this letter whilst inside a Roman prison. It's thought that as he's in fact writing this letter to the churches in Ephesus, as he's writing these words that I've just read out and you've just listened to, he's actually chained to a Roman soldier. He's got the armour right there in front of him. Talk about an illustration that takes no kind of thinking about, no unpacking. It's right there in front of him, six inches from his face. So Paul says, yes, pay attention to what you can see. But there's also things that you can't see that need your attention just as much, maybe even more. You see, the reason that Paul is talking about this armour is he's not talking about the physical armour that he can see in front of his face. He's not talking about the physical soldiers that this church in Ephesus would have had day to day encounters with. Paul is talking about something not seen, but unseen, something else going on, a spiritual side to things, a a hidden side, an invisible side, a mysterious side that's no less real because just because we can't see it. In fact, Paul here, I would say, argues that it is in fact more real than what we can see. And it is more important that we're mindful of those sorts of things than the things that we can see in our everyday lives. Okay, so Then the next obvious point is if these other unseen methods and strategies that are at work against us, just for just as much as Paul is talking about how God in the spiritual realm is for us, but that there is these unseen forces that are working against us. If there are these unseen methods and strategies at work, where might the Ephesian church have heard about these? Where might they have got this idea? Because we have to understand that what Paul over and over again is trying to drum into this early church and drum into this church right now is that the battle is for us and the battle should never be between us. He says, doesn't he? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We shouldn't be fighting amongst ourselves. We shouldn't be battling each other. We shouldn't be in competition, church against church, as to who can have the most people, the most bums on their seats or the most amount of money in the collection tin each week. This this fight, this struggle isn't about against each other this battle is being waged for us not between us you see one of the enemy as Paul calls him one of the enemy's schemes is to get us to focus on and to fight with each 
other. Because if we're spending all of our time and our attention and our energy fighting each other, we're not paying attention to the actual fight that's going on. I'm reminded of the film Hotel Rwanda. Don't know if anybody's, uh, anybody knows about it or has seen it. Um, but it's, it tells part of the story about some of the horrific things that happened during the Rwandan gen- genocide in 1994, where in just a hundred days, a million people were killed. 100 days, a million people massacred. Now, these two tribes were called the Hutus and the Tutsis before they were colonised. They lived in unity and harmony with one another. They didn't see themselves, perhaps they did see themselves as two tribes, but they didn't see that as any reason to have any kind of antagonism against each other. They saw no differences between the two. The war wasn't being waged between each of these tribes. They lived together, they worked together, they raised their children together in peace. They were neighbours. But all that it took within this little dark point in history, all that it took was some different or outside group of people to come in and to start highlighting and pointing out their differences. They'd say things like, those people are taller than your people. They might try and dominate you and take your land. Or those people's skin is darker than your skin. I don't think they can be trusted. And simply put, that was all that it took. Just those little seeds of suspicion, those little seeds of doubt was all that it took. And a million people died. Not just that, but thousands and thousands more were hurt and maimed and left scarred for life. You can visit Rwanda today and still see people with arms missing and legs missing and scarred skin just from those, that hundred days massacre. But do you know what life now in Rwanda's like on the other side of this genocide? You can go now and visit and find places that are called peace villages, where they live together reconciled, where forgiveness has been asked and forgiveness has been given. They don't even talk about who is Hutu and who is Tutsi. They just live together in real unity. It doesn't mean that that tragedy didn't happen. It doesn't mean that there isn't any hurt. But it does mean that they're working together to get through it. Because the battle was never supposed to be between us. The battle is always being fought for us. Then finally, just two things to, to pay attention to. Two things to notice from this section as well. Uh, particularly where Paul is talking about this this threefold mention of stand and stand your ground and stand firm. Two things to notice. Firstly, is this. Even the act of standing your ground is possible. See, this isn't a lost cause. After hearing all the doom and gloom and how... Um, this is something about the authorities and the spiritual powers and things that we can't even see. And that could leave you in a position of saying, just throwing your hands up and saying, well, 
what's the point then? How I've got absolutely no chance. If if the enemy, I can't see the enemy. I don't know what the enemy's going to do. I don't know how the enemy's going to attack me. I don't know what any of this armour stuff's about. I'm just totally confused, totally lost, totally scared. What is the point? Paul here says, stand your ground. Not as a a wishful thinking of, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I could stand my ground, but a command to do it because it's possible. This isn't a lost cause. You don't have to look around hopelessly in defeat. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be any pain or brokenness or scars or wounds in our lives because there will be. There has been, there is, and there will be. Things will hurt us. But here Paul is showing us that it is possible to stand your ground. Second thing to notice is it's possible to do everything and then still not stand. See, Paul's telling us here, you have to understand the source of your strength. See, for some of us here, we're doing everything. We're doing all of the right things. We're showing up. We're getting involved. We're serving. We're raising money for charity. We're doing things for others. But we're doing it all in our own strength. And eventually, all that's going to happen is you're either going to burn out because nobody can sustain that for any length of time, or you'll give up because it's not fruitful. And it's not coming from a deeper place than just us, just this surface level. See, we have to do what we've been called to do, but through the victory and the strength of Christ. So where does all of this leave us? What do we do with this, the whole book of Ephesians really, but in particular this last section, what do we do? Well, we have to understand that there is, is a battle being waged, and, but it's a battle that's being waged for us. That all of this mysterious unseen activity is happening for you right here and right now. And we have to understand that there is a victory that has already been claimed and we get to live fully and abundantly into that freedom without fear. So that's it, guys. I want to just finish by closing the way Paul closes this letter as a benediction to you. Peace to you, brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Friends, grace and peace.